0: We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Good morning. Look at this, thank you so much. That's great. One-handed. Nice. Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for, well, you didn't know I was coming anyway, so but thank you for being here. <coughs> it's um, really my privilege to be in the house. So Lance called me uh, a little while ago, and he's he going out to one of our events, and he said, can you uh, cover for me? And I said, of course, I'd love to. So we're doing a bit of a switch. I think right now, or just recently, he's actually speaking in Arizona right now, so I'm up here. So I told him if he wouldn't mess that up, then I won't mess this up. So, time will tell. That's really wonderful. Uh, so we have some other YWAMers in the house. That's, we kind of tend to get out there and get among you at times, so that's great. All right. <clears throat> Father, just um, we just yield our hearts to you this morning. We really want, Father, what you have to say to us. Not some person, but what you would say. Spirit, just take the water and make it wine, Lord, this morning. We want to see you, Father, for your sake and your glory. Not ours, but for your glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. I love the worship because, yeah. Thank you. Where are they? I don't know where they are excuse me not because of how it sounds I'll be honest it sounds great but because of the focus it was such a good focus on Jesus wasn't it yes it's just so that is so everything I'm going to really get into that um this morning I want to talk about a topic that we've heard um so much about over the years I think and I, I want to get into why I want to expand a little bit more but Um, In my work, I work with uh, Youth of the Mission and I work in discipleship training and leadership training and staff training and just trying to, what does it mean to walk with Jesus? And a a question that never seems to get old, we hear it a lot, all the time, is who am I and what is my purpose? And you know what I've, I've come to discover, it really doesn't matter what age group we're in. We're in the human age group. And who am I and what is my purpose is is a natural question. It's good. It's the first big question we face in our lives. As we enter our lives, you can divide it up into three main segments of life. Who am I is the first one. The second one then is what do I do with my life. The third one is what have I done with my life. And um, in all of these, we have a purpose. And we're searching for it. If we don't know who we are, when we start off, we generally try to figure out who that is by what we do. And if that doesn't answer the question, then we look back at our lives and we're trying to figure out, what have I done with it? And as believers in God, we believe that we are transcendent. We are, we are, we are spiritual beings. We have an element of us that continues into eternity. So you can influence eternity. And why am I saying all of this? <clears throat> it's because you do have significance. And what you do is significant. And you do have a purpose. And you do have a calling. But I want to go I, I, my, my purpose today is not to bring you to this place of what is my calling in life? Tell me. And who am I? But rather to come underneath that and to come underneath and to say, what are the foundations, what, what are the core belief I really need to have in my life to start answering those questions? So I want to kind of like leave that out there because this is a big question I see all the, all the time. But I actually want to speak about something which will help to come underneath that and to lead us in the right direction as we go, right? So one sermon isn't going to fix anything. One sermon will give you something to think about, hopefully. But we live a life with Jesus. We live a life with Him. right? So let's take what the Lord has for us today and then apply that tomorrow and the next day and as we go on. So what I want to talk about is I want to talk about intimacy. Now, when I say that up here in front of everybody... My children who are teenagers get very nervous because in in our world, when we say intimacy, we think sex. It's one of the things we think. And that's a really good way to get everyone's attention in a in a big sermon is to say that everyone looks straight at you. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. So I like to tease my kids. They see us hugging. They're like, oh, that's so bad, you know. So I... I was joking around with the earlier service. I just like to tell them, we kiss all the time. All the time. They're down there right now saying, God, come back. (laughs) But we we often think about sex. Right? Because... the world is so corrupted, the idea of intimate relationship. I'm not going to talk about that. The other thing we tend to think about when we talk about intimacy in our relationships, we tend to think in, well, how well do I know somebody else? How well do I know you? How well do I really know you? How well do I know Mark? You know, are we, Do we have an intimate relationship? How well do I know him? And you see, that is a worldly perspective that says it's up to how well you know someone do you think they're safe? How well do you know that's a, that's a bit of a control move and that is only half of the equation. see the real question is how well do I allow him to know me? And so I want to talk about intimacy with God. I want to get back to intimacy with God. Now we've heard so much about this in I think in the modern evangelical church in the last 10 years. We hear a lot about intimacy with God. And I want to talk about it, not because we've heard a a lot, but I think we start to become a little bit numb and complacent about this. And familiarity breeds contempt. In other words, we get so used to it, does it really mean anything anymore? So what is intimacy? We cannot reduce it to an act or an event or just how much I know somebody else, right? It's true closeness, true closeness, like the the inside knowledge valuing of somebody else. So I want to do this, I want to throw up three long passages of scripture that focus on three um, characters in scripture and I want to show you the intimacy with Jesus and with the Father that they shared and we don't often read these passages like this. But this is really what is going on. Intimacy, and then I'll come back and we'll define a little bit what the world says it is and what we as, as Bible-believing Christians need to embrace it for. Okay, so I want to talk about Isaiah. I'm going to, I'm going to show a little bit about Peter and then about um, the Apostle John. So let's throw up these scriptures. Let's jump into the Word. We'll get to that. So Isaiah 6, we're familiar with this passage. I want you to be looking in these three passages for the, for the similarities in each one, in who they are, how they encounter God, what their response is, what God's response is, and then the partnership at the end of that. Okay? All right, Isaiah 6. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, each with six wings, two that were covering their faces, two that were covering their feet, and two that were flying around. Now calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds were shaking and the temple was filled with smoke. I am toast. <laughs> I'm ruined. I'm done for. Right? I'm done for. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips but my eyes have seen right, the King, the Lord Almighty. Right? We all want to see God, right? We all want to experience God. Are we ready for that? Are we really ready for that? We should say yes. But we need to embrace right, the crisis that comes. That's the problem we want it one way let me know about you God well he knows you too then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he'd taken with tongs from the altar and with it he touched he touched my mouth and he said, see this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for then I heard the voice of the Lord saying who we send Who will go for us? Ready on the camera. He says, here am I. Over here. Here am I. I I see you, Lord. Send me. Luke 5. This is before Jesus had called all of his disciples together. So they probably heard about him. But they weren't in that group yet. Is what we have. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deeper water for a catch. Simon answered, Whatever, in his mind. He didn't say that. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't got a thing. But because you say so, I will do it. When they'd done so, they caused such a large number of fish that their desk began to, to break. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come on out here and they started loading up both boats and both boats began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees, right? I mean, you've got to visualize this, right? He goes up. He gets out of the boat, runs or goes to Jesus and he falls down and he says, go away. Go away from me, Lord. From a sinful man. And Jesus says, be cool, bro. You got to love Jesus. He says, stand up. Don't be afraid That's key. That's a key phrase. Don't be afraid. Come with me. And so we have Isaiah, go for me. We have Peter, come with me. And in in, um, Revelation chapter 1 with John. On the Lord's day I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. He said, write on a scroll what you see. Let's get down to the next verse. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. It's very interesting in the Word of God when you see the prophets or the, um, the, the writers of, the, of the, the scriptures try to describe God. You, they cannot describe Him in reference to anything we have in this universe. He is so much more. He is so much beyond. So it's always descriptive kind of like imagery kind of language. Because of how awesome he is. When I turned I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe reaching down to its feet, to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen and what will take place. Write, go for me and write for me. So what do we see in these three passages? We see some serious revelations going on. And I want to challenge you with this in my life i keep coming back to this many 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 times we are so in love with information today because we are so led by our minds and if i understand it therefore i will believe it or believe in it and right there is a recipe for absolute disaster when it comes for christian faith because we will never get to the bottom of who god is we will keep growing and learning forever. even when we get to heaven we are going to be worshiping him. right there's always he is infinite, you are not. He is God, you ain't. Right? And I think that sometimes one of the we are called to worship God with our heart, soul, mind and strength, right with our minds as well. but that doesn't mean you have to fully understand him. It means we want to grow in getting to know him more and more. I think sometimes the best intellectual place to start in our worship is just to realize that he is God and we are not and that is safety don't be afraid don't be afraid and when we have these revelations of God self grace and purpose and it's powerful isn't it amazing for me I see the same thing In Isaiah, the same thing with Jesus in person with Peter, and the same thing with John in his revelation that was given to him. Same parallels. What is God saying to us? The revelation of self, we have vulnerability. This is our crisis. Vulnerability is a good thing, it's a good thing. Okay. In, in, in the sense of relationships, right, and with God, it's a good thing because you, are, you, are, you realize in that moment where you're allowing yourself to be known. I'm absolutely known. Isaiah, this is not good. This is not good. He is God. I'm in his presence. I have sinned. I'm not righteous. I, I, this is not good. Peter, well, okay, if you want us to put it the nets, we will. All of a sudden, he calls him Lord. Go away from me. Why? I'm sinful. John, when I saw this, I fell down as though I was dead. Jesus comes and touches him. To Peter, he says, follow me. To Isaiah, he says, I'm making you clean. Do this for me. revelation of God revelation of self revelation of calling and it's not this idea to answer the calling of God oh yeah I want to see God so you can tell me what to do with my life that is selfish Christianity that's what the world says you have to find out what you're supposed to do in life so you can be happy by doing something we do something because of who God has made us to be we do stuff because he's created us with a purpose to contribute to something not to consume from God and from others contribute see this is where we get confused because the world wants to say everything is about your happiness right it's not then we start to think that if I'm unhappy that's God's fault God's job is not to make us happy okay? do you know that happiness is not a fruit of the spirit we, we like to think it is right fruit of the spirit is joy joy happiness is a momentary experience joy is more like a state of being Because you know what comes this is contentment fulfillment i guess i'm just lucky because my life goes exactly the way i want it to go all the time and i'm so happy all the time and life isn't hard it's so easy i don't know what you're all complaining about that's not true right it's not true you spend about eight seconds in a human frame and you realize that it's not always easy but he wants us to have joy in the process you know what brings us the most joy honestly relationships you know why because we're made in God's image and he is three in one have you ever wondered why why John says in first John God is love now if I were to say that David is love that would be weird okay a little awkward just stay right there okay Right? You know why? Because he's a human. But when we say God is love, how do we say that? Because love always demands an object something to love, someone to love, someone to give to, something to give our life toward. And see, God, He is three in one. So He has the capacity in His nature as well as His character to love. Love the Son, love the Father, love the Holy Spirit, to submit to yield, to work together, to love each other, right? You are made in His image, so we we desire relationship. We are built for relationship with each other and with Him. This is why intimacy is so important. Because if we turn it into something that it does just for me, it gets risky. And I'm going to open that up a little bit for us. So intimacy is not a strange thing. We've made it weird. It's a good thing. Right? But intimacy always gets strange and scary when it gets selfish. When we get selfish, whatever that looks like, it starts to get a bit weird, doesn't it? Because then we start to get a little bit afraid. You know, um, Well, how well do I really know Eric? How well do I really know? Well, what can you do for me? You know what will it do? What will the experience be like for me? Can I trust Him? Am I going to be vulnerable? Can I take a risk? Or not? Well, what's in it for me, Jesus? I'll be really honest with you. This is a quote I use a lot from one of the guys I work with. It's a wonderful quote. He leads worship. When we come, this is why I love the worship. The today of just about focusing on Jesus and on God. Because the flesh wants us to have worship, focus on us. Right? And he says this. He says, "We don't we cannot come into worship expecting Jesus to come and wash my feet. We worship because He is worthy, and He is God. Right? And we call that intimacy, the moment of a feel-good moment with God. That, that's a feel-good moment, but then we leave and we can feel alone, can't we? We can be in a room full of people like this and even have some friends and yet feel lonely. And I want to put it to you that maybe it isn't everybody else's fault only. Maybe it's I'm not opening up to a few key people. Just a few. Am I willing to be vulnerable, to be open? Now, let me pull back from the feeling thing. Let's go to this whole thing of like, how well do I know Eric? How well do I know him? How well do I know know Jesus? How much do I know about God really? And we think it's just one way. Well, now I know enough about it. I think I'll accept Him as who He is. Now I think I'll trust Him. But see, even when we do that, I'm still king of that relationship. As opposed to what God wants to do, He wants to let you know that I'm always there. I'm here. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He's here. He knows you right now. Right now in this moment. In this moment, He is with us. And if you are a believer of Jesus, a believer, a follower, not just an admirer, but a follower of Jesus, where He is Lord, then His Spirit is in you also. So not only is He beside you, He is inside you. Do you know that God knows stuff before we tell Him? Have you ever wondered about it? Why we think, okay, confession is important. Why? Doesn't Jesus already know that? Yeah, but we hide so much from him. In Genesis, in Genesis 3, right? We have this, we see this. They sin in the garden and the first thing they do is they hide, which is fruit of shame. They're hiding. Do you think God seriously doesn't know where they are? I mean, he's omniscient, that's what it means. I know everything. He knows he created them. He in fact he knows where they are because he walks right up to the bushes that they're hiding in, you know. <laughs> I wonder where you are. <laughs> hey, are you there? Where where are you? Right? He looks, he's like I dude, the bushes are shaking. I I can see your feet. <laughs> and then they come out. What does he say? Where are you? Right? Then what does he say? What have you done? Because I don't know what's going on, right? What have you done? Confession is important, right? It's an act of vulnerability. It's an act of humility. You know what else it does? Confess your sins one to another. Talk about your lives just one to another. You know what that does? It's not just about me and JC. It links me to other people. Other image bearers of God intimacy is not just about how well i know you or what i think about you it's understanding allowing allowing him to really know me and bringing that into that place see relationships are precious because it's all about being a volunteer isn't it being a volunteer in the relationship offering a little bit now i'm not talking about going to someone and telling them your whole life story that is not intimacy that's more like intensity and so I'm not saying you guys find a pastor, one of the elders in the church, and tell them everything about you. That would be awkward. Don't do that. But we need those people in our lives, right, who know me and who are willing to say to me, that was not a good decision. It's not a good decision. Why, we, why would you do that? And we get defensive with stuff like, don't judge, bro, and you don't know what it's like, and then we just start making excuses that's justification of yourself not real confession or being vulnerable we need to be people for people and have people in our lives i can go to mark and i can say man i'm struggling with this man i just did this man i just said that you know and instead of giving me a high five and a broquet and a side hug you know he's like you you said what what why would you do that how do you think that made him feel so what are you going to do about that? We, know, we have those people, right? We know there are people in our lives that, that, that will love us no matter what. And then we have those people who you know that if you share something with them or you want to get their opinion on something, it's very important because they won't mix it up. That'll tell you straight. And isn't it funny how affirmation from them means so much? Does that make, you guys follow me? Does that make sense? It's so true. It's so true. This is not an excuse for us to be to be bullish or to pretend like we love truth more than people. Don't do that. That's weird. That's just opinionated. But to be to have those people in our lives who you know will be honest with us, because deep down, you know, it's not saying I love you. It's that person's also saying you are valuable. You are valuable. You are valuable. God did not run away from Adam and Eve in the garden. Right, he did not punish or run away from Isaiah, Peter, or John. He approached them, and he said, "You, this is who you are. I have the solution. You see who you are in the light of me, who I am. Yeah, I do too. Right? Don't be afraid. I got this. I've got this. I've got this. It's really powerful. The God we serve." Okay, the world says this. Ah, you know what, before I go there, let's see what the world talks about intimacy. Oh, so I've got a definition of intimacy here for us. This is more of a, from a psychological worldview. A state of extreme interpersonal emotional closeness such that each party's personal space can be entered without causing discomfort by any other parties to that person. <clears throat> How I would agree and disagree with this. You know why? Because the current culture in life says this don't make anybody feel um, dis- uh, uncomfortable or unsafe. Yeah. And that, that definition says without causing discomfort. How many of you guys are in and you feel like a good, have a good, close relationship with people, which often takes time, right? Spouses, easy answer, right? and have never had any discomfort in your relationship? <laughs> Molly, I see you putting your hand up. Thank you. That's my wife. Any n- None, right? How many of you guys have had have a deep relations with people because they've been willing to step into, into healthy conflict with you? Because they won't leave you. And yet, according to psychology today, it's like intimacy is having that where where there's there's no discomfort. Safety is such an idol in our culture. It's so connected with personal happiness. God isn't safe. I fell at his feet as though dead. Okay, oh, but that doesn't, I don't know. Because I just, you know, I don't know about that. Because that just, God doesn't seem like that like dead okay woe is me I am ruined I don't want a safe God I want a powerful God but he's loving and he's trustworthy and he's perfect that's his safety right and we can trust him because of what he did for us on our our behalf right with Jesus that wasn't safe behaviour That was risk. He took risk for us. So the world says me. Let's put up the other definition. This is more of a biblical worldview definitions here. To be fully known by another with healthy boundaries, yet retaining full value. Not agreement, not tolerance, but value. But value. See, this is why the whole call in our culture today for absolute tolerance is unbiblical and it is absolutely divisive. Because tolerance is, not only do I have to put up with it, I have to agree with it. What if it's wrong? Right? We are called to love each other, to accept people's value for who they are inherently and eternally. And this is why this thing of like loving and valuing people is more than just about tolerating. It's about lo- loving each other. Yes. Loving each other. And if you, if you have to agree and tolerate all the time, where is the room for true vulnerability and for correction? Or for input or for taking responsibility for my own faults? There's no room for that. We're all being kind and not really being loving so we this is something I want to wrestle with now the reason I'm talking about this is because we've taken these fractures and we've applied them to God what do we really know about God Anything thinks there. the reality is he's right here bro come up here for a second I don't know what your name is but I'm sorry it sucks to be you right now come up here alright so like just follow me around alright I wish I could make my staff do this okay Let's follow me around right so he he's he's jesus right okay he's this is just metaphorical okay good all <laughs> right so come on follow me around man okay so, i'm walking through life you know it's not about like oh well, now i think i turn around i'm trying to find jesus somewhere and it's like i'm seeing him way over there right but he's right here and as i'm going through life it's like well where's i want to see god and i kind of want to test him and i want to know him and i want to you know, where, where, you know, is he out there somewhere? Well intimacy is about how much. That I know. You don't need to improvise. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That was a good one. So, he's out. You know, do does you see what I'm doing here? Because it, it's not about like how how I see him, what I know about him. I got to realize, man, he knows me. He's right here. He's here. He's right here. It, I, I say this with, with own, with where I work sometimes with our people, it's like you want to do an exercise which is a little bit awkward but it will prove the point, you do this if you're wondering, you know I wonder what God thinks about this, do this what do you think about that Lord? I mean seriously, turn to just right beside you to the chair beside you There's empty and say what do you think about that? And we're like, that's kind of weird why? why? Well, what do you think about that Lord? he's right here right here thank you yeah. that's good work thank you and we does it make sense to you guys yeah. he's here he already knows you so confession is isn't about discovery for him it's about us discovering closeness with him that's why it's important intimacy is being fully known back and forth we have to risk it with god don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If we are struggling with this with one another, with each other, I guarantee you're probably struggling with this with God. And if you're struggling with this with God, this absolutely is going to come out in your relationships with each other. And we've got to get, we have to reorient our perspective away, away from what it does for me. Right? God, give me my purpose. God, give me my calling. God, give me, show me my gifts. As opposed to grasping, having a revelation of who God is, and then understanding His purposes. And saying, I want to be a part of that. I'll be a part of that. I'll be a part of that. And He's saying the whole time, I'm right here, let's go. Let's go. We've turned so much into me. The world says, me, my experience, my feelings, my needs, my Jesus. Intimacy is all about me and my needs. This is why it's selfish. This is why it gets risky. This is why it gets scary. This is why we put boundaries up. This is why we withdraw. This is why we test. This is why we stay lonely. God says, we. Together. Knowing. Cherishing. Cherishing. Not feelings alone, but valuing. Valuing each other. Secular worldly Christianity makes consumers out of us. We are not called to be consumers of God or each other, but contributors to the kingdom. Right? Okay, here's a, here's a heavy word for you the United States of America is not the kingdom of God. Now, you might be saying, you're an you're Australian. I'm an American, baby. That's right. <laughs> Immigrants, get the job done. <laughs> right? But neither is Australia the kingdom of God. Maybe a little closer. But not... <laughs> we're not. Not Canada, not Europe. Not, we are not the kingdom of God. We are called as a nation with a purpose... To further the kingdom of God. And we have to see God, to see what his desires are, what his heart is, what his plans are. Then we join with him. See, that's where the that's where the power follows his authority. Not my life, but his plans. That's what we're called to do. This nation has an enormous calling on it. It is a great nation, but we have turned so introspectively egocentric that I fear we can't even see the calling of God that we have in ourselves. And now it's just about me. This is not what God wants for us. He wants us, he calls us to be his ambassadors, his hands and feet, his heart sharers. All right.'ll oh, skip that part. What do we need? Intimacy requires vulnerability. Vulnerability is what we require. That's the first thing. This is our crisis. We have to be willing to go to the place of, Lord, I, I want the revelation and I'm willing to step into what does that mean for me? My crisis. And crisis just simply means this. you have to change. It just, it, it demands a change. It demands something, an action. That's what it means. That's why it's a crisis, because change is hard. There's something now I see that I did not see before. First thing. Second thing it takes is His grace and His love, and He abounds in that. We have to position ourselves to receive that, right? Then what we have is partnership with Him. That's true perspective and calling um, here's a couple of scriptures for us oh I think I did I miss something no we're good here's a couple of scriptures for us which just kind of show us that Jesus knew us and, and knows us and God sees us all the time he's always waiting just like my mate here is always waiting right here for us for us to turn and to see him right it's really interesting so Jesus called all the disciples when they were less than disciples all of them I mean he told Peter you're going to be the rock and Peter swore to him up and down black and blue you know I'm never going to betray you never 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 maybe one of those guys but not me very shortly after that Peter is calling down curses from heaven upon himself saying I don't even know that guy and yet it did not disqualify his calling he knows us people people did not know him mark 4 and matthew 21 we see two two accounts where this is after the storm and miracles he's performing that they're already traveling with jesus and they're looking and they're like who is this they keep seeing more of him but he knew them all along matthew 11 and other places that people are you the one are you are you the one Jesus even goes so far and to say, the reason you don't recognize me is that you don't know my father. People have walked away from knowing God into knowing customs and tradition and what it means. Well, you can fill in the rest of the blank. Everything like that. Are you the one? The rich young ruler in Mark 10 comes along and he says, I've done all these things. I've obeyed I've all the laws. He says, go and steal everything, right? He says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He knew what was in his heart. He loved him. He sees the people of Israel and he says they are like sheep without a shepherd. He, had, he took compassion on the crowds. He knows them already. We don't need to wait for him to get to know me. We have to be willing to step into that place to know him more. Right? Man, you want to grow? Get some pressure. It's good. Like the pressure of like, you have more for me, Lord? okay don't be afraid don't be afraid we can't This is you see this in these passages these three passages we just read you don't really fully appreciate the intensity of stuff until you come face to face with it right? so um, I have not served in the military but I've heard this is the case if you're in the infantry we talk about infantry we talk about Armored cavalry and main battle tanks and whatever. Well, I imagine, I know I've heard this is true, I can't tell you myself, but I've heard it's true. You think you're all pretty BA until an M1A1 Abrams rolls up beside you, 40 tons of power right there, and you realize I'm pretty insignificant compared to that beast of armor. You know, that's pretty amazing. I like to hunt, I'm a bow hunter. And hunting's great a lot of guys are off hunting this weekend right shooting something with a rifle at 200 yards that takes skill okay but if i'm if i'm going for like a bull elk or a bear with a bow at 30 yards man that thing looks a bit bigger in person <laughs> right it just does i come i've spent a lot of years in the pacific and i love the ocean Watching somebody surf on TV, I'll tell you, is a very, very different experience than when you're in the water and you feel a really large swell rolling. Or being on a boat in the ocean, just surrounded and the waves. You just realize how insignificant you are. Nature can snap you like a twig. And you see, Peter and John and Isaiah, they came face to face with the one who created creation. Who commands creation. And their response is, Man, I see you, God. Of course, I see myself. And what they received was, Don't be afraid. Right? Vulnerability. Here I am. Man, I'm a sinful man. Now, here I am. Send me. For those of us who know Jesus already, I want to encourage you to step out of the boat. I want to encourage you to step closer to Jesus. I want to encourage you to be unsatisfied. If Jesus is still, now this is, you can hear my heart on this, right? If He is only friend, I would challenge you with that. We can't live off John fifteen fifteen, you know, he calls me friend. Cuz the disciples didn't go around calling him their BFF for their best mate, right? Paul always talks about God as Father and Jesus as Lord. And in in that context, they say, you know John said this, I am the one he loved. I am the one he loves. He calls us friends? Get out. He calls me a friend. If he's only savior to you. He's more than that. That's awesome, and that's where it starts. But he is more than just savior. He's Lord. He's blazing like fire. He controls creation, and he knows you. He knows you. He knows you. He's right here. What do you think about that, Lord? What do you think about that? He's right here. If we already know Jesus, let's mature in that. Our desire with intimacy with Jesus is to see Him, not because of what it does for me, but because of who He is. Don't settle for an emotional, euphoric moment of an experience. We leave, wow, that was great worship for me. But rather, I got to gather with other believers to focus on Him. And now I have my my marching orders for the week. We go out from here. A lifetime of grasping the heart of God and significance for the kingdom. We continue to grow. We never make it. I mean, we we never like fully get there. Even when we get to heaven, we're going to be worshiping Jesus, right? So it's not like we're going to probably finally fill our brains. That's not the point. The point is to grow with. To walk with. And that takes lordship. That takes lordship. Don't shy away from the fear of the Lord. Don't shy away from being overwhelmed with who He is. Because He's unsafe, but He's safe. He's powerful, but He's in control. That's a good thing. For those of us who don't know jesus maybe you came here as a visitor maybe you're watching online maybe um, you don't even know what this thing is all about anymore i want to encourage you don't be afraid perfection has never been criteria for entry into the family of god never i mean goodness it's not even a criteria to be in the family of god we're all imperfect right but we have faith In a God who paid the price with His own life in order to allow us to take care of our sin, our guilt has been taken care of. So that we can walk with Him, get close with Him. Come humbly. Revelation 3.20 I stand at the door and I knock. Anyone who would open up the door, I will go in with him and, and eat with him and he with me. It's an invitation. He's knocking right here he's right here and that's not creepy that is comforting he knows you he loves you seeing him you can be changed you can be welcomed but you have to choose him right it's an invitation it's voluntary both ways he already knows you he's following you he already knows you he knows you he knows you he's with you he's following you stand still long enough see Him feel the heat on your face it's too much what do I do? nothing just believe believe in what He has done intimacy with God is more than just what it feels like for us it's a relationship but it takes vulnerability it's a two-way street willingness to be fully known by him because he absolutely values you made in his image and worth sending his son for how you walk that out that's just a little nugget and how you walk that out is up to you but we need to move away from a consumer junior Christianity that's not a value statement if you're just coming into the faith you're in the perfect place if you've been here half time you know what you're doing if you've been here a long time you know what God what He's tapping on your heart all He's saying is like come on where are you where are you at share it with me right He will not disappoint He will not disappoint let's pray Father, if. Sorry, I did this in the first service too. Uh, The Lord kind of tells me, He's like, You've said enough. Let me speak. So, Father, speak. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He is the man, the boss, God. Woe is me, I'm ruined. I'm in trouble here. You're saying to see Him and He's saying, come to me. And if you don't know Him as your personal God, Savior, friend, I want to invite you to make that step. But it takes vulnerability. Take the step. Make the public confession. When we pray, I'd like you to come up and get prayer. I don't care if you turn to someone next to you and say, This is me, pray for me. It's fine if you do, but I just, I really feel like I want it to be something that you step into, right? The greater the cost, right, the greater the reward. Step into that. This is the safest place you will ever be to make that commitment. If you're someone who's walking with the Lord and there's an area in your life that the Lord is saying, you need greater intimacy with me in your life. And to do that, you need intimacy with somebody else in this area in your life. Maybe there's an area of Lordship in your life that you realize, "I, I, I need to address this. It's like, I'm in the throne room right now and God has got, He's just showing me gently, but clearly an area in my life. I want you to go to someone. I want you to come to the front for prayer. I want you to go to somebody else. It's never just you and JC. It's always fellowship. But do it. Do it. So Father, I just ask that you move in the hearts of people for your glory's sake, for their sake, to meet you, to find you, to see you. We would trust you beyond what we know or understand or experienced in this in this lifetime. We would trust you for those to receive you, Lord. Let them have the boldness to step into that. Lord, let us be a place we can receive people. We love you, Father. As we worship, find someone, find someone, God's here. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Be blessed and have a great week.